What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. It's episode 94, and before we start it, Twitter's at Sports. Instagram <laughs> is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. There we go. 94 NBA draft. Paulo goes number one. Uh, lots of twists and turns that we'll get into eventually. Usual MLB stuff. NBA New season has officially started on the calendar. Got a lot to talk about. Yeah. There's definitely a lot on the slate today. Uh, Player of the week, stuff like that. We're going to be talking about some, probably some downsides of uh, some baseball teams and what they've been doing so far. And then uh, we're going to be talking about the Pirates a little bit later too and what they got going on with some of the young guys in their system. And then halftime as usual. And then we get back from halftime and we're talking basketball the rest of the show before we get to our bets. Uh, And then that obviously be the end of the show. But without further ado, let's get into the opener, Skyler. What do you got here as the favorite thing that you saw from this past week? It's got to be the NBA draft for me. You know, uh, we'll get more in depth later, but top three picks, all power forwards. It's going to be a wings league. We can see that for sure. A guy like Ivy didn't get picked by OKC. That's how you know. Even uh, even those guys are in on the wings. And I, I don't want to spoil too much, so I, I won't say more than that. But uh, Patrick Baldwin to the Warriors. Yeah. little project no, no, we got there. Yeah, it's definitely Patrick Baldwin to the Warriors. That is, that is one of the few spots that he could have gone and could have had a positive outcome, I think, because of uh, just because the Warriors' needs right now aren't really in the spot of, hey – we need a guy that can come in and play 15, 20 minutes a night and give us mm-hmm. a spark plug. We already got all that. So hopefully Baldwin ends up doing well. But the favorite thing that I saw this past week has to be the M's and the Angels brawl on Sunday. We haven't had too many brawls over this past year or two, maybe because of COVID. But the last real notable one that comes to mind was uh, Ramon and the Astros, I feel like, as far as like big, big fights with uh, punches thrown and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh yeah, we definitely got one on Sunday when Jesse Winker was hit and then ran a dugout. Anthony Rendon and all those guys got into it. Uh, we'll talk more about it later. But uh, one thing that I don't think we'll talk about more later is Rafael Iglesias and how far he threw that sunflower pack <laughs> of seeds. I, I don't think I've ever – I mean, I haven't seen a lot of packs of sunflower seeds be thrown in general, but I don't think I've ever seen anything like that thrown with that much force – uh, and just for no, uh, no re- reason, honestly, he wasn't throwing it at anybody. He just made the people that clean up the field, clean up the field even more. So sorry to those guys. Bad on Rastel Iglesias. And that takes us to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week, which we got to go with Shohei Otani because this guy just does what he does every single week. He just did it more this past week when he hit two home runs. Uh, that were over 460 feet or something like that. His hardest hit home run, his farthest hit home run he both had. Uh, he had a game where he struck out 13 batters. And it just furthermore proves that Shohei is Babe Ruth on steroids. Yes, but we think he's clean as of right now. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely clean. Uh, I don't think Shohei's got any of the, the crazy stuff. And I think he's probably one of those guys that oh, – Got another drug test today. Probably 35th one of the year already yeah, at this probably. point. So uh, I don't be shocked if he's just getting tested every single day at this point. 
But it is episode 94, Skylar, so let's go ahead and get into our favorites. 94. I got to go with John Abraham, the last good edge rusher for the Jets. <laughs> I've uh, time pro bowler and two-time all-pro once with the Jets. So uh, hopefully we can get some of that. We had a big draft, lots of defense. So uh, let's get another John Abraham. Yeah. I couldn't find a lot of 94s that I liked together. I really couldn't. So I decided to go with my least favorite 94. Oh. And that's the 1994 MLB strike uh, that started on August 12th of 1994. <laughs> Same thing as our, our previous little uh, hiatus with the MLB, where it's the CBA and all that stuff, the lockout. And uh, kind of weird. I can't imagine going through this in real life where the season just stops, like, in the middle of the season. I mean, I know we had COVID and stuff like that, but besides like a pandemic, I can't imagine that will be just, okay, let's, let's not play games the rest of the season, especially when you're halfway through that season. Yeah. I, I believe uh, the Expos, when they stopped, they were on pace for the wins record. Obviously this is before uh, the Mariners had theirs, but uh, it would be the one right before that. So another issue with that. Yeah, it's definitely a lockout that changed uh, the course of baseball. A lot of fans didn't want to go back to playing or watching games and whatnot. Just that's when the steroid era starts. And yeah, the game definitely changed from there. That takes us into our team reports now. Skyler, anything with the Jets this past week? No, actually not. But I, I guess I'll give you uh, the Steelers team report because I saw something interesting about them. Uh, that Kenny Pickett's been working exclusively with the third string and reporters for the team think it's very unlikely that Trubisky isn't QB one at the start of the year. So oh. there's my Steelers team report for you. Not a lot of news so far, which is other than Watson. We won't get into that yet. We'll wait until there's a decision, but yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Kenny Pickett and, and that whole situation, I mean, who cares if you don't start him right away? We see that a lot with a lot of guys, Herbert, yeah. Even didn't even start week one. And Tua took a while for him. And I mean, I know Tua is not some crazy quarterback, but a lot of those Rogers. guys, uh, yeah, it, it took some guys some time. So Kenny Pickett and I started in week one, not that big of a deal. As far as the Raiders go, I got nothing, man. Uh, OTAs broke at this point. So everybody's back home, making podcasts, doing whatever they want to do. Uh, yeah, let's get to the spotlight now before we get to where's your head out. Skyler, tell me about why you put Nikki Allen, the A's middle infielder. Yeah, this is one pretty much just for the A's fans or or fans of uh, young talent. Uh, Nick Allen was a second base prospect for us, played in the Olympics, Team USA last year, and uh, that just fast-tracked him. So we got the call this year, started off really slow, but last week hit 270. He was leading off against the Yankees tonight. Uh, just grounded out in the first inning, so nothing yet. But uh, it's exciting, you know, to have a, a young player who plays with energy, you know, on a team that lacks all of energy. what I just said. Yeah. 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 I want to talk about the Baltimore Orioles and their surprising season fo- so far. Orioles have been one of the worst teams in the league for the last five, six years at this point. Going back to 2018, this is their year-by-year record. 2018, 47 and 115. 2019, 54 and 108. 2020, a little bit of an uptick, I guess, 25 and 35. But again, that's only 60 games. They didn't make the playoffs that year either. 2021, 
52 and 110. And then this year they are in last place, but they're at 35 and 40. But I think the craziest part about all this stuff is that the two best players that they've had the last two, three years haven't been producing or have been hurt. That starts with John Means, who's getting Tommy John surgery right now. He's out for the rest of the year, obviously. And then Cedric Mullins, who was their main guy these past few years. And we thought, hey, maybe this guy gets traded, gets a good return back. But he is not doing that good. He's still fast. He's still playing good defense, but his OPS is below league average. He's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark like he did last year. I know he had 30 homers last year. He, he only has six, and we're pretty much in July at this point. Uh, but how they're doing so good, or so average, I guess, is Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle and Trey Mancini and Anthony Santander and Rutschman finally coming up and playing good ball. Uh, and then they're pitching. Tyler Wells has been a big part of this. Uh, um, blanking on his name. Uh, Dean Kramer, who's starting today, is, has been really good in his four starts up. Uh, Jorge Lopez, who they moved to the bullpen after like terrible years in, in the rotation. He has been absolutely amazing for them. Dylan Tate's been good. Felix Bautista has been good. Uh, they just got a lot of guys that are playing well, finally. And uh, as a fan of baseball rebuild and seeing how they all work out and stuff like that, I can see that this Orioles rebuild is finally starting to come together a little bit. I know we're not going to see Grayson Rodriguez this year because of his injury that he sustained about a month back is probably going to hold him out for the rest of the year. But it's cool to see the Orioles finally not be the worst team in the league. Yeah, that being said. Let's go ahead and get to where's your head at and start it off with the player pitcher rookie of the week. Skyler, who is your player of the week? My player of the week has to be Shohei Otani. Gets the double nod here for us. Eight RBIs in a game with two monster homers and then 13 Ks in the very next game. Also, uh, Kyle talked about the his farthest hit ball ever. It's like 462 or hardest hit ball ever against the Mariners. Another game winner. Uh, so he's he's got to be my player of the week. Yeah, Shohei's my player of the week, too. Skyler just went over the stats, so I won't do that yeah. again with you. But an honorable mention that I have also is Goldie, 9 for 20 with three homers, probably going to be the NL MVP. On to the pitcher of the week. Also, Otani. No runs over eight innings in that 13-strikeout game. I did not go with Otani. I went with Christian Javier here in his seven innings. No hits against the Yankees on that uh, combined no-hitter on Saturday against the Bronx Bombers, he went seven innings, no hits, obviously no runs, 13 strikeouts, and dominated the Yankees. Something we really haven't seen at all this Decent year. game. Yeah. On to Rookie of the Week, Skyler, who do you got? Got to go with Spencer Strider. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts against the Dodgers. I'm going to go with Atlee Rutschman here. We've seen Atlee be really slow in his first couple weeks up in the big leagues. Now he's finally starting to get together seven for 19 with a couple bombs. And just like I was saying earlier, the O's are starting to get things coming around for them. So that's good to see with obviously probably the main piece of the rebuild at Rutschman finally being up in the big leagues. Let's go ahead and get to another topic now. And we're talking about the white Sox and how bad that they have been. Currently they sit at 34 and 38, six games back in the division uh, they currently be seven or eight seed, I believe, in the AL in general. So they're obviously quite a bit out of that wild card spot. Third in the division, Cleveland's ahead of them. Didn't expect that going into the year. And Minnesota's ahead of them as well, too, obviously. 
So this begs the question with all the injuries going on for the White Sox and all the misfortune, whatever you call it, and just dumb plays regardless. Can you see, or is it even possible for the White Sox to be sellers at the deadline? Yeah, I think it's possible because they have a manager who will be fired soon, an older roster, and they have the worst ranked farm in MLB right now. They've got to make some changes because this core right now is obviously not doing it for them, even if they have been injured. I mean, this White Sox team has been so disappointing this year. I don't think we – there's not a lot of teams in these past few years that have just been – had this much, like, I don't know, attention around them going into the season. I've been so bad and so disappointing, actually, once we get there. I mean, sure, you could say the Phillies in the past couple of years, but nobody really thought that they were going to be, like, a World Series contender-type team. I think a lot of us thought that the White Sox – had a pretty good chance at making the ALCS or even that World Series and possibly even winning it going into this year. But I don't think there's any chance that they are sellers at the deadline. And part of that is the worst-ranked farm system. I don't think there's any point in just trying to get your farm system up a little bit when your roster is built to win now. And if you don't win this year, you don't win next year, then your window's kind of starting to close at this point. So they got to win now. They don't. Maybe next year they become sellers, but they got to buy as hard as they can right now, I think, and and try to win the division because it is still within reach. Six games in July is something that can be made up, not easily, but fairly easily comparative to six games in September, unless you're the 2012 A's and you can do six games in 11 days Mm -hmm. against the Rangers. Next up, some sad news within baseball is Bryce Harper fractured his wrist or his hand uh, on thumb, that's what it was yeah. on Friday against the Padres when Blake Snell threw a 97 mile an hour fastball that came up and in and hit him in the thumb. Uh, so Harper's obviously out for a month or two at this point. And the Phillies are 39 and 35, which currently gives them the number seven spot, I think, in the NL wildcard. I wish MLB.com made it so it's a bit easier to see where all the wildcard standings are. They don't have that updated yet. But, I mean, you got the MVP out, or the reigning MVP, two-time MVP total. Does this write off the Phillies for sure this year, or will we see them still being in this race once Harper comes back? Unless they could score eight runs a game, I think it's going to be pretty tough for them here. I'm more concerned with Harper's future than I am with the Phillies. Because, like you said, he was looking like the MVP again this year. And, uh, you know, how many more injuries can he have before the offensive production dips? That's uh, that's my main focus here. I don't want to see him get hurt again because he is this team. It's true. Uh, I definitely think we can can write off the fills, though. I think Skyler alluded to that, too. Yeah. Uh, where, I mean, they just don't have the tools to compete in, in this league, even with Harper. So when you take out a guy as good as him, it's going to be done for. Uh, I've seen rumors, though, of Trey Turner in the offseason possibly wanting to sign there. I don't know if that's just Bob Nightingale being dumb, but... Uh, he can be. Yeah, it's a possibility, I guess. That I think they're definitely going to be a team that's in that shortstop market for all those guys that are going to be there this year or this offseason. But yeah, I don't think we're seeing the Phils in the playoffs this year. Last thing before we go ahead and get to... Halftime, we're going to be talking about the Pirates. I know they're not the greatest team, but they got a lot of things that are looking really good for their future and some good prospects. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about them. First off being O'Neill Cruz, 
who is stat cast freak. This guy is going crazy and uh, just hitting the ball, throwing the ball hard, running super, super fast and doing everything right for the Pirates so far. And looks like he could be, I want to say generational superstar, but generational superstar with the stuff that this guy can do. Uh, Blind injuries, not a top prospect for them, but came up and has been doing really, really good for them so far. Uh, they got Rosny Contreras, who's been great. David Bednar, who's probably going to get traded and flipped for some pretty good prospects. Uh, but just like the Orioles have been a team that are really, really bad these past like seven or eight years at this point. Uh, but do the Pirates have the guys that they have or do they have the guys that they need in order to turn the franchise around right now? You know, I think they have some guys that can give him a fighting chance in the future, but they really have no direction at all. Like you said, they're going to trade all their all-stars at the break. They constantly manipulate service time. I think it's it's Cruz, Davis, and Hayes are the guys. And that's not enough to start this conversation yet, I don't think. So I'm going to say no. I actually really, really like what the Pirates have going on. And maybe that's just me being a bit dumb or me trying to think of just something good to see the Buckos be good again because they've been bad for a long, long time. And I think their, their fans deserve it at this point. But this team, they got some guys. If Henry Davis comes up and continue and just bees as good as the number one prospect or not number one prospect, the number one draft pick that he was just last year, they got Nick Gonzalez, who has one of the best hit grades in all of the minor leagues. They got O'Neill Cruz, who looks like this guy that is crazy good. They got Brian Reynolds, who I think is going to stay at this point. They got Cabrian Hayes, who is there. Jack Sawinski, who's not hitting for a high average, but has a ton of home runs already this year. And they got pitching that might be able to come around. Rosny Contreras being one of those guys. Quinn Priester being one of those guys. And they're obviously going to get a top draft pick this year. I assume that probably goes towards a pitcher, maybe. I think that'd probably make more sense to them than drafting an infielder or an outfielder or whatever it is. Or they'll just underslot a high school kid. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and they're going to get a good prospect back with David Bender. So I think the the Pirates are still a couple years away, but you can see the pieces starting to come together. If I'm a Pirates fan, I feel good about this team in a couple years. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime together. Tell me about... The Ole Miss Rebels winning their first ever college baseball World Series. Yeah, they swept the Oklahoma Sooners two games in the final, 10-3 and then 4-2. And it's uh, good for Mississippi, man. Miss State won it last year, Ole Miss this year. Obviously, I I didn't pick them originally, but they were my backup in case Texas uh, choked, which they did. So I'm happy about that. And uh, interesting thing here, and maybe it's – just how weird this college baseball season was. Neither of these teams were ranked in the last rankings in the final. Uh, even in the top four, the only ranked team was was Texas A&M, and Oklahoma swept them. So, yeah, pretty interesting. But congrats to Ole Miss. Uh, next is uh, is MLB draft season, like we were talking about. So maybe we'll have uh, have another another look at those prospects. And one of the, the things I think is pretty cool. Sorry if I cut you off a little bit no, there, Skyler. But uh, it's cool about college baseball is that, and when comparative to college basketball, when you get to the tournament, hey, there's maybe seven or eight teams that could possibly win this thing. Get to college football, there's maybe two teams that can win the college national championship. Yeah. I don't think there's really a third or fourth team that's usually in that same grouping. But in college baseball, you get to that that spot. There's 64 to 68 teams that can just go ahead and win it all. 
And that's what makes it so good. We saw Tennessee not even make the College Baseball World Series. We saw all top three seeds be gone by the second round of the College World Series at this that point. I mean, it's it's baseball. It, that's the purest thing to say. It's just baseball. And it's really cool to see. Oh, yeah. All right. Next, we'll talk about uh, the brawl that was in Kyle's opener, Mariners and Angels. I have the list of all the suspensions. It's a lot. You want to hear it? Yeah, I mean, we might be here for a couple hours, but it's it's definitely worth it. All right, we'll start off with the Angels. Manager Phil Nelvin, Nevin sorry, is suspended 10 games for the intentional throwing by pitcher Andrew Wants while warnings were in place, is the quote. All the When I talk like that, those are the quotes from the umpires. Okay, before we get to yeah. Andrew Wants and all those guys, yeah. I do feel bad for him, Andrew Wants, mm. because this dude – was just in there to throw at guys. That's the only reason why the Angels started this guy. They were going to start Jose Suarez, and then like an hour before first pitch, or even later that, later than that, I think they just said, "Once you're getting in there, you're throwing at J Rod." They missed J Rod's head. I think that would have been absolutely terrible if they did that. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously hit Winker in the back. But this guy wants was literally just in there to throw at guys. So that is tough. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Injured third baseman Anthony Rendon suspended for five games, which he'll need to serve when he returns to action, expected to miss the entire season, would push the suspension to next year. Rendon is also not allowed to sit on the Angels' bench for the next seven games. Pitcher Andrew Wants suspended for three games due to the aforementioned pitch. Assistant pitching coach Don Chidi. Don Chidi? I think so. I think the same has gotten a five-game suspension for his actions during the incident. Pitcher Ryan Tapera. Yeah. Tapera got three games for his actions. Iglesias, two games for his actions. Bench coach Ray Montgomery, two games. Interpreter Manny Del Campo, two games. Yeah. Their Spanish-speaking interpreter got suspended. How how is Luis Renifo going to talk to his teammates? How's that going to happen? It won't. Catching coach Bill Hosselman, one game. We'll get to the Mariners. Outfielder Jesse Winker suspended seven games for his actions that caused the incident to start and to and for fighting. I don't know if he caused yeah. the incident to start, but uh, I wouldn't say this. Was, he started the altercation. I wouldn't say the incident, but like I, the actual, like, I mean, he didn't need to go to the Angels dugout, but he was kind of provoked. So. Mm-hmm. Or the physical. Uh, we got JP Crawford five games for fighting. Yeah, that guy. Uh-huh. Okay, before we get to J Rod, yeah. JP Crawford. I thought he was going to get the worst of it because if you look at the footage of this this fight, he's in there just throwing haymakers, not left and right, just the right side because that's all he was using. But I mean, this guy was he was trying to kill somebody. Yes, he was. And uh, the last player, like you said, it's J-Rod, two games for his actions. They say this started when reliever Eric Swanson threw high and tight to Trout a couple of times. Uh, and that's why this whole thing started. I was watching that that game, uh, not the, the game of the brawl, the game before. And Trout had a couple pitches to go over his head. I was yeah. a little frightened about that. I remember so. I had a, I had Mariners money line that night. Uh, and that ends ended up winning the game. But Swanson was in to close it. 
And I remember being in the party and talking to you guys and, and Swanson throws, throws one up and in. I'm like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Like Trout does not look happy about this stuff. It kind of just went by my head after that. I thought it'd just be a day-to-day thing, but I mean, you could tell like when that happened to Trout that this dude was not, he was not, he's not fucking with it. Oh yeah. And that's all for the brawl. I think we covered most of the big injuries this week. So we'll get into the one trade that happened. Carlos Santana. Go unless you got something. Uh, there is two injuries sustained from that brawl. Oh yeah, yeah. Archie yeah. Bradley broke his elbow. He'll be out for a month. And oh, Luis Torrens, catcher for the Mariners, hurt his shoulder, and he'll be out for I don't know how long. But he's on the ten day IL, which provoked this trade that Sky was about to talk about. Yeah, obviously they're uh, they need some guys in there. So Carlos Santana going from Kansas City to Seattle for cash or with cash and Wyatt Mills. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, I don't think he could play catcher anymore. Yeah, but, not at this point. <laughs> but it's a body. Yeah, first uh, notable trade in a while. So there it is. Also, this isn't like some. Oh, need a guy. Let's just trade for some random guy moves. First off, this is Carlos Santana's second time mm. on the Mariners. He got traded to the Mariners from the Phillies with J.P. Crawford a couple years back and then went to the Guardians or the Indians at that time 10 days later. That was for Gene Segura, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay. I believe that's what it was. Uh, and so Santana... Got off to a terrible start this year. I mean, one one of the I wouldn't say consistent, but one of the pretty decently consistent guys in them will be the past ten to fifteen years. Mm. He got off to a terrible start this year, but in the month of June, he's been hitting three eighty five. So this guy is might be a pretty decent bat in that lineup. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on it. There you go, Dilly. Something to uh, root for. <laughs> yeah, not That's- a lot to root for. That is halftime. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take it to the second half here. Where we are talking just basketball now. First thing that we're going to talk about is John Wall. His buyout with the Rockets and his agreement. Uh, I'm doing air quotes right now. Obviously, yeah. you guys can't see that. Uh, agreement with the Clippers to join them for this next season and kind of build a big three uh, with PG, Kawhi, and John Wall. How does this change your outlook on the West, if at all? What do you think of this move? When we talked about this, it was either last week or the week before. I thought it was possible that the Clippers could win the West if they stayed healthy. And uh, obviously, we haven't seen a full season of John Wall since 2017. But in 2017, they were a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't have the highest expectations for this, you know, another air quote, big three. Uh, but I'm not going to count them out yet. I like this move a lot for the Clippers. Uh, I talked about this Clippers team. I'm not sure if, if I ever did it on the show, but I've talked about it in our parties multiple times on PlayStation where this Clippers team learned a lot from this past year. I mean, no PG for most of the year and no Kawhi, obviously, for the whole year. Gave Reggie Jackson a lot of big-time moments, a lot of big-time shots. Luke Kennard was playing some big minutes. Ivaka Zubats, Morris, all their guys that usually wouldn't be playing these big spots are playing these big-time moments and got to play 
in crunch time. And so I think that was a big learning experience for this roster. And I think it's going to help them going into this next year. If they get all three of those guys back healthy, because if that trio is healthy, this team is probably the second favorite team in the West besides the Warriors. Next up, Kevin Durant, this guy, I don't think he's going to the Clippers. He might at this point, who knows? He likes building super teams. But there's a lot of rumors about him leaving the Nets this offseason. Do you think the Nets actually do end up losing KD? And if they do, where's he going? I think the rumors started because of Kyrie. And now that Kyrie is going to stay there, at least for now, uh, they should be fine. I think that's all KD wanted. Uh, now, on to Brooklyn. You know, in my scenario, everyone stays. They need Simmons to actually play or another guy to play defense or ball handle when Kyrie disappears. Uh, but other than that, they should be okay. Yeah, this, this team, I mean, I first off, I do think KD ends up staying. I think Kyrie actually accepting his player option or whatever it was was very, very shocking to me. Uh, but after reading more about it and realizing that they really didn't have a other spot for Kyrie to go quite yet. Cause not a lot of teams were expecting him to be a free agent. He's kind of like, okay, you know, let's just wait a year, play another year at the next. Yeah, I'll take my 40 million. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, this team obviously can contend if they get, they're all healthy. So we'll see that, but that's a big if, if they're all healthy and, and willing to play basketball when you got Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving on the same team. Alrighty, moving into our next topic here. We are talking about Bradley Beal and something interesting that I've been thinking about. So we have Damian Lillard, who gets a lot, a lot of slander on the internet about, oh, why are you just staying in Portland? Like the Blazers suck. And they're just clowning him on just staying in Portland and not ring chasing, yet other people get pissed at ring chasing, but Damian Lillard gets a lot of slander on, on the internet. That's what I'm trying to say. And there's Bradley Beal who is practically doing the exact same thing. He's staying in Washington, a team that we know isn't going to win anything. He just signed the Supermax. That's why I say this, a five-year $248 million deal with the squad. So why doesn't Bradley Beal get the exact same slander that Damian Lillard does? I think he does. And I'll, I'll get into where I hear it later, but I'll talk about why I think it's somewhat deserved. I think, sure, he's a top 40 player in the NBA, but I don't think he's a max player. We were talking about this last night. I think his best days are behind him, and I don't mean to hate, but I, I don't see him averaging 30 points per game again. He's obviously not a number one option on a good team. Uh, you know, I and talking with with friends who are basketball fans and, other news sources outside of ESPN and and Fox, like uh, it seems like Washington did what they they felt like they had to do, not because they felt he deserved it, and maybe that's why he doesn't get as much slander because it wasn't really his choice yet. Um, they just they were stuck. They're not ready to start a rebuild, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't understand why. I think Beal should get more slander than Lillard does because at, at least Lillard took his team to the conference finals once. That's not something Beal has ever done. And he's never really been that guy on that team. I think even in his the years that that team was really good, even if Beal was the best player, John Wall was the face of the team, obviously he was a number one pick. 
and had that whole mantra before he even got to Washington. But I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think Bradley Beal, this is one of the dumbest decisions he's made in his career to stay in Washington. Why not go play for somewhere else? I don't think the Wizards are a smart team. I don't think they're in the right direction. I know you, I mean, telling a man to reject 250 million is pretty tough to do. But when you can probably go ahead and get 200 million and go play in a city that wants to win, I think you had to go ahead and do that. I th- so my prediction is for years, he's been saying, just get me to 2022 and then I'll decide. Uh, so I think that's why he, another reason maybe why he took the max from Washington is next year he's going to demand a trade anyways. So he might as well get paid before then. Yeah. Uh, NBA contracts are so weird. Uh, it's very confusing when it gets to it. Cause everybody, it seems like all these big time players are paid the exact same amount of money. Uh, so good for Bradley Beal, I guess uh-huh. on your money and you get May and June off every single year. So there you go. It is free agent season. So before this free agency period actually starts, we do have to get into some predictions. So we have like five or six of the top free agents or possible free agents going into this offseason here, predicting where they're going to land. And that starts off with James Harden, who has a player option with the Sixers. He's expected to pick this up. I'll just run this one by you quickly. Do you think James Harden stays in Philly? If not, where would James Harden play next year? Yeah, he's he's going to stay in Philly. They weren't too far off last year, and and that's without that much time to click with everybody, too. You know, with a fall offseason, I, I think they're the favorites in the East. Yeah, I don't know if the, I call them the favorites. I definitely still like Boston or maybe even Miami more than them. But James Harden is definitely staying in Philly, and I, I, I don't think it works out too well for them. On to our actual, for sure, free agents. These guys are hitting the open market. I think they're all unrestricted free agents too. So uh, I think even is. the yeah oh Aiden's restricted. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, he's kind of unrestricted at this point though because of how the Suns aren't going to pay him. Uh, but first thing that we're talking about, or first guy that we're talking about, is All Star Zach Levine. Skyler, where do you see Zach Levine playing basketball next year? Uh, Levine's going to get the max from Chicago. Uh, it's an exciting first half last year. And I think it's another situation where Chicago feels like they have to just to make sure everyone's happy. They have to do it because they were, you know, they weren't that bad last year and everyone will be happy except for KD in case he wanted to go to Chicago. Uh, He won't be anymore after this, but yeah. yeah. I am definitely saying Levine staying in Chicago as well. I like this team when healthy. I think if Lonzo stays healthy, DeRozan who was healthy all last year continues to be healthy. Levine, doesn't get hurt at all this year. This team is a team that can probably compete in that top four or five range within the East, but something's got to change, whether it's in the locker room with these guys, some something, because they did not beat anybody good last year. They literally did not. They just didn't. They didn't do anything against these top teams. Uh, and obviously you can't, you can't really do anything in playoffs if you don't beat good teams. So Something's got to change, but I think getting rid of Zach Levine is not going to be something that the change of good. Yeah. Next up, DeAndre and former number one pick. Skyler, where do you see him playing basketball next year? I have him staying in Phoenix. You ready for this? Really? I think what happened last year is just way too weird to be true. 
to me. I don't think Phoenix would match a max. However, I think they will match whatever BS the Pistons or Atlanta would offer. Uh, the one thing, though, that could happen is Atlanta sign and trade, because I know they're trying to get rid of either John Collins or Capella or Kongwu to get this guy. But the fact that there there hasn't been many rumors about a trade with any of Atlanta's big men yet makes me think, as of right now, I don't think it'll happen. So I have yeah. Phoenix matching a non-max deal. Gotcha. One of the things I've seen with the the Hawks is I'm doing a, a sign-in trade with John Collins and uh, DeJounte Murray. That's something I have seen. I don't think that happens because the value doesn't really line up there. And I think the Hawks would have to give up quite a few picks in order to get a guy like DeJounte. Uh, but I think DeAndre plays basketball in Detroit. Uh, there's... I wouldn't say it's a good time to be a Detroit Pistons fan, but this is one of the better times within the past 10 years to be a Pistons fan. They got Cade, they had Jay and Ivy. I think me and Skyler both talk about him a little bit more later on in the show. They just traded away Jeremy Grant, which opens up some cap, and they can get a good center. And DeAndre Ayton, he's not anything crazy, but he's a building block for this, this Pistons team that could really be something. So I like this move if they do end up doing it gets uh, those young Detroit guards a big to play with. Next up is Miles Bridges. He has had a very interesting short offseason. Posted him drinking lean and rolling a blunt on Instagram about a week back. So we'll see how that affects his uh, market with the Supermax. But where do you think Miles Bridges ends up playing basketball next year? Miles Bridges is perfect for Detroit. They traded their wing, Jeremy Grant, last year. They drafted a big and a guard. They have the money. He's obviously got the lifestyle. <laughs> Let's make it happen. You know where Miles Bridges went to college? Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah. So he's, I, I don't know how close Lansing is to Detroit, but he's within the area. All right. To say at least. Miles Bridges, though, I think he's going to Portland. <laughs> fuck, fuck. Lane's probably legal over there. Uh, so he's, he's probably all good over there in Portland. I oh, think. I mean, Portland, if they pay him, then he wouldn't hate it. Portland also makes sense because they got a lot of money. That's one of the few teams that has a lot of money, and I think they're kind of desperate to get a guy, even though he's not really some super top of the line guy. Just because that I think they see Dame starting to get upset, and they see that hey, if we don't get a, a guy for Dame here, he's gonna want to leave. So. Miles Bridges becomes that guy. Norkic is if he's healthy, he's obviously pretty good too. Anthony Simons if they stay too, probably gonna end up being a fringe playoff team. Last guy that we're gonna talk about, this guy was giving me this look. I said that because Dame's that dude and he's better than Bradley Beal. Uh for the Kings, man. The Kings ain't shit, dude. Oh my god. Okay, Jalen Brunson. Where do you think Jalen Brunson plays? Jalen Brunson's going to the Knicks. Maybe it's the worst sweep, air quote, sweepstakes for free agency we've seen ever, but he's a solid player. Don't get me wrong, but he'll be, should be at least 10 times what Kemba was for New York. And there's been some reports this is already looking likely. So I like that I have this. Yeah, I have Jalen Brunson going to the Knicks as well. I think this is going to end up sucking for Jalen Brunson, though, because if the, the Knicks get Brunson over uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell goes somewhere else or stays in Utah. They are going to expect 
Jalen Brunson to be Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And we know how that fan base is and how well, ruthless they can be. Sports. And if you don't perform good right away, you're bad for life. So have fun in New York, Jalen Brunson. That's all I got. <laughs> so we did have the draft last week. Uh, and obviously we got to talk about our favorite picks. Yeah. Together, what, what, what are some of the picks that stand out to you? I, I know we only have favorite pick from the draft, but I know you're yeah. the guy who knows more about this than me. What are some of your favorite picks? What are prepare. some of your least favorite picks? Uh, what do you got for me? So some of the, the picks with, that are, that are just really good fits for me. Obviously, Ivy to Detroit, Johnny Davis to Washington, Mark Williams to Charlotte. Um, outside of the lottery, I like the Arizona guys, Dalen Terry to Chicago, Coloco to Toronto. Worst pick, um, haven't thought about. Um, probably, it's got to be Keegan Murray, probably, and, uh, and Sohan to San Antonio. But I think my favorite pick, is going to be Dyson Daniels to New Orleans. He is the best defender in the class, great playmaker, and he, it looks like he should be the perfect complement uh, point guard to what New Orleans is doing here with all their scores. So I like that a lot. Two picks that I want to talk about, one being uh, Jaden Ivey to the, the Detroit Pistons. That stands out as a top, top-tier pick to me uh, because of how good this guy is and how skilled he is as a guard. He's going to end up being the backcourt that I think him and Cade that we're going to be talking about for a while with this Detroit Pistons team. Uh, and like I was saying earlier, I do think they end up getting DeAndre in to build a solid three, not a big three, but a solid three with those three guys there. Another guy that I liked this pick a lot was Jaden Hardy going in the second round to the Mavericks. I mean, how did this guy end up going in the second round? Because he There's, was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this guy, this guy's got a lot of ball on him if he if he he plays well. And Dallas, a team that could be losing their point guard. Obviously, I don't think Hardy ends up starting straight away. But they could have just found a Jalen Brunson replacement in Jalen Hardy and or Jalen Jaden Hardy and not have to pay a hundred million for him. Another one that obviously stands out has gotta be Paulo. I mean, mm-hmm. just look at the Magic's history with the number one pick. This pick Pretty good. historically has always turned their franchise around. Nick Anderson. And that's why I think, <laughs> I mean, they took uh, Shaq, they took Dwight, they took, uh, who else they took? Uh, they had one other number one pick. I'm blanking on it, though. Uh, Weber, uh, and they traded him for Penny. Mm, that's it. Uh, but this pick has always ended up being good for them, is what I'm trying to say. And I like it a lot. One pick I don't like, but they didn't really have a choice. I don't like Chet. I really don't. I think this guy, I know he's super, super long. He's athletic for his size and all that stuff. But, dude, he's so, so skinny. Like, I, Giannis. Giannis <laughs> is different, though. I feel like Giannis is a bit of a different player. Uh, and Chet, they're talking about his great rim-protecting skills now. I think he's just going to get bossed around, uh, especially the first couple years. I think even like a guy like Jaron Jackson is just going to demolish this guy year one. This guy has to guard Zion. Like Zion's going to break this kid. Fortunately. I think the, the big thing with Chet Holmgren that people like, maybe actually, maybe they don't, maybe I'm sharing something right now that you didn't think of. I think 
the biggest plus is that he could guard the perimeter at seven feet. That's something Gobert couldn't do. He couldn't leave the paint. That's why uh, there's so much potential with this guy, I think, defensively. Yeah, I hope Chet ends up proving my, my, me wrong and I play this clip in three or five years and Chet's an all-NBA player, but I just don't see the hype as much as a lot of other people, unfortunately. All right, that's going to do it for our draft talk. Let's go ahead and get to our bets, and let's get on out of here. And I guess see you guys in episode 95. But my layup from last week, I had the Angels over the Royals on Wednesday. That was a good game. So (laughs) it got it done. Uh, Skyler had the A's win on his birthday. That did not happen. A's don't win a lot. They're not winning right now against the Yankees, which leads me to pick in the Yankees over the A's on Wednesday. I know it's it's a pick that the spread's a little little skewed here, but that's why it's a layup. All right. I'm going to go with the Twins over Baltimore on Sunday. Uh, Alex Wells pitching for Baltimore, and I know you like him, but Devin Smel- Smelter? Smeltzer? Smeltzer. Smeltzer he today. Has, been, has been on fire. I know he pitched today. I'm not sure exactly – what it was today, but I know his previous two starts were both six innings, no earned runs. He's been on six fire. innings, one run. So he was good today. Oh, okay. Very nice. So uh, we're sticking with, uh, with Smeltzer who's on fire in Minnesota. Yeah. Last week, bold prediction. I had the giants sweep the reds. That did not happen. Skyler had the Dodgers win the series in Atlanta. They good there. Uh, this week I have the Cardinals sweeping the series versus the Phillies. The Cardinals are good. The Phillies just lost their best player. Uh, and I think they're kind of running off of that. I don't know that it's not a high, but like usually sometimes when you have your best player get hurt, you have that little bit of extra motivation the first few days. And then after that, it kind of dies out. And I think it's dying out for the Phils. I'm going to go with the Padres to win the series at the Dodgers, Machado should be back in the lineup for this series. And the uh, slight underdog road series win has been working for me recently. So I'm going to stick with it. That's a four gamer too. So, okay. There is part well, of that. We may get a yellow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if they tie this series, that's not a win the series. So we'd see red, but we'll see. Oh, I see. Ah, okay. All right. That's going to do it for episode 94, though, guys. We will see y'all in episode 95 next Tuesday. Go, Nick Allen. Adios. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Go, Nick Allen. Yeah.